This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome to the show and today I am joined with Jordan Wilkes who is the founder of Stride which is a sustainable and ethical fashion and clothing brand. Jordan, thanks for being a guest on the show. Uh, My pleasure Michael, looking forward to having a good chat with you. Before we dive into any of the other questions about like sustainable fashion and and your mission for Stride, I noticed you a dog as a CEO would you be able to share the story behind that yeah of course mate um I'm, I'm a huge dog lover um so my whole life I've grown up with dogs and when I was you know starting the business um from home um my dog at the time he was an inside dog so I was with him all the time um and because I'm, I'm a solo pretty I'm a solo founder I had really nobody else to, to bounce ideas off um so in a way him always being next to me was like sort of my right hand man um, so I thought it'd be sort of a, a cheeky initiative to make him the CEO and a few times on our socials and, and whatnot, I've, I've proclaimed that, you know, my dog Mo, he sadly passed away, um, but he's uh, our, our official CEO. Um, so I just thought it was a little bit different, you know, sometimes businesses can be a little bit too serious about things and, you know, they have official CEOs and CTOs and whatnot, all these C-suite executives, but I thought, why not? Let's, put, let's get a canine uh, CEO to, yeah. to start, start the job right. It's a shame he's passed away, to be fair, because I was about to ask him what his responsibilities were. Okay, yeah. Um, well, for what it's worth, um, you know, not, not long after I rescued another dog, now she's the, the CEO. She's uh, t- taken over that role. Um, and I think from memory, cause I, did, I do this pretty cool thing uh, with Stride called Dogs of Stride. So a few of the customers, I'll send in photos of their dogs and um, tell the story behind theirs, and they give themselves certain jobs. So I believe... Um, one of one of the customers she that she sent in um, photo of her dog and he was the chief food officer. Um, so you know he, he loves his food, so he was in charge of that. Um, one of another customer sent another dog it was her Jack Russell, and, and apparently this Jack Russell's big love sponge. So she was the chief love officer. Um, no. And I think what was my my kind dog? Um, can't remember what hers, but she she had another C suite um, ridiculous job. Um, just because I feel as though with my clientele being very conscious, consciously minded, and a lot of them are vegans um, in that, you know, they, they do appreciate animals in the world. And I think most people um, are dog lovers. So why not put dogs to the forefront of the business? Yeah, it was just something really interesting about it because a lot of business owners do have like a team or pets and those kinds of things. And um, every now and again, they're like VAs, right? Yeah. Or assistants. It was a bit, uh, a bit surprising, I suppose, for one of a better word, yeah. whereby he's he or she now. Yeah. He is the C- got a top job. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, top top dog. Yeah. Definitely top dog. Yeah. <laughs> so you you mentioned like sustainable fashion, and I know one of your one of your missions is to take sustainable out of it and make everything sustainable so that it is normal yeah correct. so that that if the aim is to not have a separate category yeah, yeah but to make all fashion sustainable so one of the things that sort of piqued my interest with it was how much of a difference does it make to go from how can i put it i don't want to say other brands because it yeah. makes them sound really bad yeah but to go from 
local fashion brand and using a sustainable one. So someone goes into a shop, buys a T-shirt that's sustainable. Mm -hmm. How much of a difference does that make? Because very often in individuals, they have this subconscious thing of, well, how much of a difference does it actually make? So could you share a bit about that for us? Yeah, for sure. And just to touch on your first point, Michael, about, um, you know, wanting sustainable fashion, ethical fashion or slow fashion just to be the norm. Uh, reason being is that when it's a subset, it's it's a separate part of what the core, what the core industries of fashion. So if we just say if it's sustainable fashion separate to normal fashion, then anything that's not sustainable fashion is unsustainable fashion. So the end goal is, is to make that the norm. So sustainable and ethical practice is what is part and parcel of the fashion industry, not just this subset that 5% of brands do. So that's a long-term aim. Look, something that I, I can't achieve myself, but there's a lot of um, great brands out there, a lot of uh, really smart consumers who are demanding better. So optimistically, I, I'd like to think this would happen in maybe 20 years. Um, I love thinking it'd be a generational thing. But you can go on back to the crux of the, the second part of the question. Um, what difference can an individual make? Um, that The person who's a bit sceptical and saying, like, what can I do? I'm just one person. You know, theoretically, they are correct. They, they are one person. But a saying that I like to share with Stride and I like to share with, with in my circles is that small changes times millions of people equals a global impact. Um, so a, a classic example is Greta Thunberg, who I believe three years ago, um, uh, what's the word, protested outside Swedish parliament demanding action on climate change. Um, and then a couple of years later, she mobilised global protests around the world, which I think totaled about 45 million people. So if this 15-year-old schoolgirl in Sweden can protest outside of parliament and, and really change the world. I think most people in the world know who she is. If she can do that, um, then what? why can't you, the next time you go shopping, choose to buy something that's made from organic cotton as opposed to non-organic cotton? Um, and I really feel as though that you don't need to be a perfect consumer. So for the person who's, who, feels, feels, uh, who feels as though they can't make a change just themselves, it's not that you need to be a zero waste consumer tomorrow. It's what steps can you take, you know, tomorrow, next week, next month, and over the next year to make small changes to make your consumption more conscious, um, you know, have less impact on our environment? Um, yes, I, I just think it's all about just shopping better, not perfect. So it's almost like those little, those little tweaks that you can make mm. to make a little difference, I guess, in in your own world. Yeah, you know? exactly. Do people have? a sense of that because what i found is there are a lot of other brands out there that just say sourced with uh, i don't know whether it's recyclable or sustainable materials that tends to be as far as it goes so in my mind yeah i have more information than most thanks to people like yourself so i know what that means but you know Doris from down the road yeah. will look at that and go, well, they might look at the price tag. It might be more expensive yeah. or they might get a weird look as they walk out the shop mm. or, or whatever the case is. Yeah. So it seems to me like there's a bit of a barrier between, yeah, people get it, but then if someone's a little bit on the naive side – it's not translated as well. Yeah, correct. Is that, something that, is that something that you're changing with 
bit bit stride. Yeah, that that's definitely what I want to try to do. And I think at the end of the day, an empowered consumer is a good consumer. Um, so not all brands are going to be as transparent as they should be, and some because maybe they just haven't thought to include what it's made out of, where it's made, and what in the product description. Other brands may be trying to hide something, hence they don't include it. But I think it's really important for customers who, um, you know, who want to learn more about their favorite brands, where they're made, what they're made from, to simply email them and ask them. So I'd highly recommend a resource from Fashion Revolution. Um, it's the Who Made My Clothes Moon or hashtag Who Made My Clothes. Um, and that really focuses on the people making the clothes. So it's more on the ethical fashion side about, you know, are they going to pay a living wage in safe conditions? and stuff like that but what's been quite prominent in the last 18 months i've noticed is like what's in my clothes it's quite a big one now so people are asking like you know what is in their clothes so it's not good enough anymore just to say cotton um you ever know what, what it's blended with you know if it's organic cotton if it's got certified um and there's plenty of materials nowadays you know like some really cool sustainable materials i quite like is hemp and linen um tensile's really cool even with like swimwear products and activewear products as well. Um, there's a really cool fabric called um, uh, Econil, uh, sorry, Econil. I, I can never pronounce properly. The, it's an acronym, it's, it's E-C-O-N-Y-L. I've heard about eight different pronunciations, but some say Econil, some say Econil. You can take your pick. Um, that's a really cool fabric that's made from recycled nylon. So I think fishing that's in carpet, they turn that into really cool activewear and swimwear. Um, so I just think it's really important that if, if you don't know if you didn't have the answer to the questions, ask the question. And if the brand doesn't get back to you, then I think that shows you that they don't really care about their customers and or they're trying to hide something. Is there anything that's a bit more outrageous that you've come across? Like you might say, oh, well, um, wood can be made to make underwear or socks or something is there anything that's like pretty outrageous that you've come across yeah one thing that blows my mind probably more than it should is that a really cool leather replacement is made from pineapple leaves so it's called pinatex and that's spelled p-i-n-a-t-e-x for anyone who wants to research that um wow. to be honest, it just blows like i know we can do really cool things that we've, we've flown to space and done amazing things as a human race but that just re really just baffles me how you can turn pineapple leaves um you know into a leather substitute and look i've researched how they do that and, and it's amazing the process um but i highly recommend anyone out there who's probably just heard about this for the first time and thinking how the hell can you do that um check it out because we can do you know we can do some innovative things um when we put our mind to it so that's probably one that um def definitely strikes me every time i think about it what's the difference if you tried it yourself have you been given like leather and pineapple leaves side by side and tested them to figure out what the difference is yeah i've seen them in person with the pinatex it's, it's got a slightly different texture to leather it's probably not as um smooth it, it is still quite smooth but leather is just sort of you can effortlessly sort of run your hands so with pinatex it's got a bit more of a, a firmer property um but from a visual point of view it, it can look almost identical um you know i think i think the natural um, color of Pinatex is kind of like a, a softy white yellow, um, but you, you can always, always um, you know, color that as well. Um, but I found it to be um, a fantastic substitute. Would you be able to soften it in the same way? Like with leather, you've got obviously like softeners and you can sort of manipulate leather, can't you, a little bit so that it's a yeah. bit more, more comfortable. Is that the same? I believe you can. Um, from being perfectly honest, Michael, I'm not a an expert in, in Pinatex. I've got I've got a really cool brand on board who um, they specialise in it. Um, but I just don't want to give any false advice. Um, 
just because they're when it gets really sciencey. Um, I'm not uh, th- that intelligent in that in that regard. So uh, I'd, I'd, I I believe you can, but uh, I'd highly recommend yourself anyone listening who wants to learn a bit more, maybe just to do a quick Google search because uh, Mr. Google knows more than I do. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I, I completely understand. I, I think it's it's just interesting because leather is quite popular as well. It's yeah. It to me that wouldn't it be cool if that could be made more well-known? And I know people buy leather and sure. that's quite tough, you know, tough yep. to wear. And obviously you sort of wear it in, similar to shoes, right? You wear them in yeah. and they get yep. more comfortable. If it was the same sort of principle, then I, I reckon... Okay listening would be a bit more like oh i'll give that a go especially if i can actually manipulate it and make it a bit easier to to get around in is, is that Definitely. the only one that you come across or is there other sort of crazy oh, yeah there's a million of them just just to clarify with pantex i've only seen it at this stage as a, as a watch band i'm not too sure if if you know possible it's made with shoes and uh and pants and whatnot um, but there's other ones like the one I mentioned before, um, Econel, um, I thought it was really cool, or Eco Neil, however you want to say it. Another cool one's Reprieve, which is made from uh, recycled plastic bottles. Um, so that's really popular for, for activewear as well. Um, uh, this, I'm really fascinated by the, the ability to regenerate fibers. So, with those two that I just mentioned, um, I, I think they're, they're amazing, especially um, Eco Neil, because it, it essentially emulates a virgin nylon. Um, but without all the all the processing that goes into creating virgin oil to start with, so um, they're probably my two favourite recycled ones, and their Pintex probably my favourite um, sort of naturally derived one. It's interesting you brought up plastic bottles as well, because mm. someone with a more sort of bigger thinking mind might go, "Well, yep. clean up the oceans with plastic bottles and put that towards." clothing that we can wear that's very sort of similar to what people are used yep. to wearing so there's there's mm. definite scope for almost killing two birds with one stone like you're sort of yeah you up the the oceans or whatever place where plastic bottles tend to accumulate and you convert yep. the things that we can then we can then wear what happens to the material after that and what i mean by that is using the plastic bottles as an example when yep. we finish wearing our clothes and we finished so they're in the bin they're doing their whatever it is yeah end up back in the oceans again so we're repeating this cycle or are they completely like able to be broken down and then reused again um well, you're talking about the recycled, let's just say like a recycled jacket that's made from recycled plastic bottles. What happens to that jacket after that person's finished consuming that? Yeah, yeah. it seems like if, if you're replacing it, mm. if you're replacing something like cotton or nylon with, yeah. say, the plastic bottles as, as an example, if it ends up back in the ocean anyway, yeah, really... Yeah, you're helping in terms of it's now no longer nylon or cotton, but the other problem of everything ending up in like waste disposals and all kinds of other places, that doesn't yeah. solve, does it, if they end up in, in the same place ultimately? Yeah, I think it, just to, it brings up a great point. I was chatting to one of my um, the brands I've got on board and she was talking about how brands who are regenerating 
old materials in, into into new products. She talked about how it's not the the best end solution. So similar to what you're saying there, in that it's not a it's not a way to you know make it more circular. You're just recycling, recycling, recycling. Like what what happens at the end? So I think it's a really good point. And what's really on the rise in the sustainable fashion industry, especially in swimwear, is what's essentially like a slow biodegradable fabric. So fabrics that you can so they won't biodegrade while you're wearing them. You know, at the beach, which obviously would be um, horrible. But the ones that are, are made particularly so that when you do want to dispose of them, you can put them in your compost and they can be biodegradable. Now, I think that's a fantastic end solution um, because at the end of the day, not everything that's recyclable is recycled. So it's all good and well putting, you know, your plastic bottles into bin and you know, wrappers in, into the uh, recycling bin. But unfortunately, um, you know, it's, it's, the stats vary depending on what you read, but, you know, it's typically under 5 to 3% of products actually get recycled. So I think it's just a really important consideration just to reiterate that not everything that's recyclable gets recycled, hence end solutions um, are the ideal. Sorry about these. Sorry about the steez, Michael. Oh. Okay, sorry, I've been sorry. a few minutes break if you want just to... No, oh. so, uh... so I was literally about to, uh, it's going to come back any second now. Sorry, um, I think I finished my point anyway. <laughs> It's all right. Sorry, mate. It's okay. I'll, uh, I always edit the shows anyway, so I'll just make them yeah. <laughs> a bit weird, really, make them sneeze, but there we are. Okay. Um, so the, yeah, next question is, okay, I know where I am. One of the yep. things that I did, I did find during my yep. vicious Googling, um, yep. there are materials out there that I've, I mean, it was a video I don't know how mm-hmm. um, how far down the production how far down the production line it is. Yep. I saw something that looks like plastic, but mm-hmm. then it dissolves in water. So once it touches water, it kind of evaporates, yeah. um, which I thought was very. Fa- is a cleaning solution. As- as long as it's not for like swimwear or you know something like that, <laughs> I, I imagine it'd be yeah. quite helpful, you know, because if it's a replacement for like plastic bottles or mm. something like that, it it seems like it's quite helpful. So there's a lot of advancements mm. <clears throat> as far as what materials we can use. Yep. What sort of things do you do to keep up with? like the recent trends and the changes yeah. that you're making? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. It's something I actually spoke about on my LinkedIn recently about your information diet. Uh, so I think it's really important to, to not be stagnant and, you know, read something five years ago and just believe that's the way it is moving forward. Um, especially being a big sort of business and marketing guru myself, you know, that's changing every, you know, every couple of weeks. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's ever changing. So what I like to do is... Um, subscribe to some market leading newsletters so there's some really cool ones based in australia that i'd love to give a shout out to like ethical made easy uh eco warrior princess um another really cool one is ethically kate she's a new zealand based um sort of thought leader um she's doing some really cool actually a really cool ted talk um kate her name's kate hall so i think it's really important to subscribe to these newsletters and these influential people so you're getting fed this information into your inbox so I do the same thing with my marketing as well. So I'm, I'm you know, a big SEO nerd. So I'd love to subscribe to newsletters like Ahrefs, um, Neil Patel, uh, Moz have a really good blog. 
So you, it, you don't have to rely on yourself to go out and actively search things. You know, you don't have to, you know, go onto Google News or, or go onto Twitter and search it and try to learn about it. It's getting fed straight into your inbox. So you kind of have no excuse not to read it. Um, just because I feel as though, you know, we can miss these things if we're relying on ourselves to actually find it. Whereas if you're just subscribing to these newsletters, um, you know, it's getting fed right to you. And one thing I would say is don't go overboard and, and subscribe to 20 of them tonight. Um, because you're going to get pretty annoyed when they all start sending you their welcome series and your inbox is blocked for the next two weeks. So do it slowly, find the ones you'd like and um, yeah, really refine your information diet to keep levelling up your knowledge every single day. One of, the, one of the last things I really want to touch on is do you do a lot with, with Stride in terms of trying to change people's opinions of it because i know we touched on like the perception of it and how to make it easier for people to actually incorporate more sustainable brands into their into their lifestyle do you have any maybe it's like a top five tips or some parting words for us really as to how to integrate this into our daily lives whether it's access yeah. whether it's you know the i guess lack of social pressure to mm-hmm. look a certain way to yeah. be as a certain way what sort of yep. advice would you have for for everybody yeah for sure um one thing i briefly touched upon earlier in our chat was to to try to be better and not perfect so when you are trying to make these changes and you, know, you might have just heard about sustainable fashion day or something you've heard about over the last couple of months, couple of years. It's not to feel as though that you need to throw out your entire wardrobe and only buy, you know, 100% organic materials tomorrow. I think it's really important to, to pause and reflect on, you know, what's in your wardrobe at the moment because there's nothing sustainable about throwing everything out and buying a whole new wardrobe tomorrow. So, and then moving forward as well, don't put pressure on yourself to, to always shop the perfect garment. So, I mean, you might be with your friends and you might go past H&M who have a, a sketchy record in this regard and you might see something like okay that looks really cool um and you know you've been, you've been good for a while and you're like look i really want that t-shirt i'm gonna get that t-shirt um you know i think i think it's like you know it's a similar thing with like junk food and all food. i think sometimes if you you want to you've got that craving you even want that t-shirt you know it's not aligning with your values not to you know be super you know hard on yourself and, and be perfect like you're allowed to slip up occasion you know similar things too with your sustainability efforts like you know a really big problem is like straws um you know when, when you go out you know you might go out for a few drinks with your friends and you the bartender might give you a straw without you asking like you know it's not something you want to do but unfortunately like it, it's going to happen so just not to be put so much pressure on yourself to be perfect every single day you're going to have slip ups that probably be the first one second one i'd love to share about is just knowledge is power so like most things in life if you really want to sort of enforce change within yourself you really really justify those actions internally um because it's one thing for me or yourself mark or friends so okay it's really important for you to shop you know ethical sustainable brands but unless you appreciate the value behind that and why you should uh, make those changes you're probably not going to be doing it um, from a holistic approach so I've got a big belief in that there's a, a threshold of knowledge that most people go towards in the sustainable fashion issue in that once they learn a certain amount, let's just say that 70% about the industry, they feel compelled not to act how they used to in the past. So you've really got to hit that threshold and just, you know, um, you know, researching stuff on you know, Google, a really good documentary that's on Netflix 
or if it's on Netflix, depending on where you are, it's called The, the True Cost. I think it might be on Amazon Prime at the moment. That's a fascinating expose into the uh, fast fashion industry and just the devastating impact it has on you know people throughout Asia and throughout the world. And talk about Rana Plaza, um, they follow a, a Bangladeshi garment worker and, and detail her life and you know how she works her backside off um, to not even earn a living wage. So that's a really cool documentary to learn more. Um, and I think the third thing I'd like to share about is just probably detoxing yourself from the fast fashion brands on your social media feed. So whether it be on um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever that may be, slowly starting to unfold those brands who are pressuring you into having to buy that dress for that next birthday party or or putting onto you these really impossible beauty standards that you have to live towards and, and telling you that you need to buy this, you know, this new jacket to be cool. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, your shopping consumption needs to be intrinsic. So if these, you know, brands and influencers for that matter are, you know, pressuring you to act in a way that's probably not 100% new um, to, to stop following and stop engaging with their content because it's making you into a person that you don't want to be and, and it's a person that I don't want you to become. So um, that'd probably be my, my top three. Well, Jordan, I think that is a fantastic way to end. Thanks for for giving up the, the time to be on the show. I appreciate my it. My pleasure. Look forward to keeping in touch. Uh, thanks, Michael.